Hi guys, welcome to E-Junkies and this week we are on a roll because we have a personality from Hollywood that will be calling in from LA. You will recognize him as part of the cast of Netflix's Bling Empire and he's the only Singaporean there. So let's all welcome Kane Lim. Hi Kane, nice to meet you and thank, thank you for joining How's, us for E-Junkies. Yeah. How is Singapore? It's a very rainy Singapore right now but it's good because it's a break from like the hot sunny weather that we've been having. It's been like I think more than a year since I, I came back so yeah I'm so jealous because Singapore is such a great country. So let's dive into the first question so the show was a huge success and you guys kind of became like overnight stars so were you surprised at the reaction or did you have an idea that maybe you know the show would be a hit? From all the like footage we shot I knew that we had something quite special I think the most fascinating thing about the cast is most of us already have like a social media presence. Mm -hmm. uh, but obviously this show, you know, took it to a more like global level and global success and hit. Mm -hmm. But I think none of us expected such a uh, overwhelming response. So I'm really proud of the success. So it's been a couple of months since the show aired. Have you had a chance to like settle down and take it all in? Or are you still kind of like reeling from, you know, the, the reaction that people have? Oh God, it reminded me of like when Rihanna just started following me, like my Instagram just blew up from like nothing to like what 50k and 100k and stuff like that. The past like two weeks, um, I've been taking it more slowly because we basically just ended all the press interviews in like end of March. So just taking a break for myself, just taking it easy and also catching up with a lot of work because most people don't understand that reality thing takes a lot of work. And other than that, all of us have our businesses. Like for me, I have my real estate. I'm also very happy with the collapse that are coming in because of the show. So you mentioned that you, you have your own business and you're a real estate developer and everything. So let me just pivot to this question first. What is a day in the life of Kim like? I actually deal with both timings. You have to understand like I'm dealing with just the US time and also Asia time because I need to speak to my family office in Singapore. So I'm actually up late till like 1.30 a.m. People don't really see like, you know, the development side of things where I go down to like you know, the site, demolition, stuff like that. People don't want to see stupid things. They want to see like fun, superficial, dumb things. I have def definitely a different side to me that most people don't see. You know, I try to include it in my stories more and more. So hopefully, you know, they see that it's not all fun. There's a lot of work that's involved and it's also quite tiring as well. You mentioned that, you know, um, your, your Instagram followers jump back quite a bit. And now there's like more global, let's say, focus on, on you as, as, a, as a role model as well. Do, do you feel that added pressure on what you have to post on social media and and also speaking up about certain social issues. I mean, in the US, we have that string of anti-Asian attacks and everything. Do you feel that that pressure? Oh, 100%. I just told someone to f off like five minutes ago um, <laughs> <laughs> on my Instagram because he's like, what took you so long to talk about this? And I'm like, I am using my platform to my best on my ability, especially with such a big following. There's added pressure as well with your choice of words. It's a very sensitive subject. And also because I'm also being a victim of a racial attack in the US. So, you know, I take it quite personally as well. So I'm trying my best to navigate the ways of trying to talk about um, racism without blaming another race because that's it's not going to get us anywhere. You know, mm -hmm. how it's going to help is talking about it, being compassionate to one another. Asian people were here to begin with. So I try my best to do it. And I'm sorry to the person I said f off to, but seriously, like, stop judging me. I need a break. Just to check, I mean, you, you said you are a, a victim of, of, of the racism and, and the anti-Asian hate and everything. Is everything okay there? Have you been involved with anything? A year ago, during COVID, everyone was locked down. And, you know, I was just going for walks. So I go for daily walking and, like, this, this person threw a cup in my head. And I was like, what the f you know, it never happened to me before. Being in LA for like eight years, I never encountered like racism 
on such a level. And when that incident kind of happened, I was like, I was really taken aback and shocked. The whole narrative of this being a Chinese virus didn't really help Asian people at all. So, um, you know, we're so blessed coming from Singapore that um, we don't encounter um, stuff like that because we grew up with all races, cultures and religion. So, you know, being here, especially in this pandemic, this time right now, it's a very different time. So hopefully we could change the narrative and using our platform, we can help others. Even on the show, if you saw, I think a scene with uh, Kevin, we were in Charleston. And most times people would think like Confederate flags, right? You only read them in like books or history books. You actually see racist people chanting like racist slurs and like racist music. And you're like, wow, this is still happening in society today. So I hope to highlight that more through my platform or other, other means. You mentioned in an interview that you had a rather humble upbringing. Your father would instill these beliefs in you. He dropped you off at a bus stop so you would take the bus to school. Could you shed a little bit more light about the kind of environment you grew up in, the, the values that were instilled? So my grandparents came from like China. They came by boat to Singapore with nothing in their pockets. My uncles, my parents, you know, everyone struggled for a living. They were so poor and a lot of them are very successful now, but they never forgot their roots. It's so important to be thrifty and also be humble and also to give back. Like my parents have always advocated, you know, charity work. I called my dad the other day, I'm like, dad, like, I just want to say thank you because, you know, having you as a father, I don't have to like suck up to people. I don't have to take certain jobs I want to. I don't have to compromise my values, my ethics in life. Are people usually surprised when they meet you by how grounded you are? Because there is always a perception about the crazy rich people. <laughs> but I'm like, what am I supposed to be? Am I supposed to be obnoxious? I think everyone should be humble and I don't think that I'm different. I think that everyone just should be like as grounded as possible because you can always be super famous one day and like you could be nothing the next day. So I've seen that happen to a lot of friends and you know, families. So for me, I always try to be humble and grounded. We're gonna dive into some questions about Blink Empire itself. The cameras are following you guys almost like all the time. Were there any instances where, you know, you felt like, okay, you guys need to back off, you need to turn off the cameras, this is a bit too much. Or were you just happy to just let them roam around and film everything? Well, I don't remember any incident that we were like, can you turn the cameras off? There was one incident where Andrew was really angry with me. I don't know if you remember, like when Andrew was asking me for like, relationship advice, I was like, maybe you should try anal. <laughs> You know, with me, I have no filter. And, you know, looking back, I'm like, did I say that? And I apologize to Kelly and she, she's okay with it. But he was really angry in that scene. So they cut some scenes out in that where he was really, really like furious. And I'm like, dude, like I'm joking. But no, I don't think there's any scenes where we're told the cameras not to film. But obviously certain times it got like, you know, pretty intense and tiring as well. Because you have to understand like, it's like not just one camera, there's like five cameras around you. Do you think you were accurately represented? I'm really happy with it, just judging by the comments. And, you know, it was just who I am. They didn't twist anything or, you know, try to make me out to be anything. I think this was the best scenario because if I did it with other networks, um, it could have turned out a very different way. And also that's why I didn't sign with other networks as well because I've been approached uh, even till this day, like by different networks to be on a show and I never found like the right fit, the right um, synergy with them. So you mentioned that you, you were approached by, by other networks as well. Uh, and I also read that you were once approached to do Singapore Social, but you turned it down. Are you able to share like why you decided to reject that at that time? I think number one, I wasn't even in Singapore. Number two, there wasn't even a cast. Number three, I don't think they even had the premise down at that time. It's not easy putting a cast of people together. And the funny thing is um, most of us are friends 
friends to begin with. So Netflix was so happy when they found out like, oh, you guys are friends, you guys have chemistry already. But back to Singapore social, I wasn't even Singapore. <laughs> Our next question, I think people will probably have this as well. Necklace Gate, were you taken aback as well by like what Anna did with the switching of the seats? And was it really as dramatic as they, as they painted it? That you have to ask them whether they really played it out. I think Christine's a very competitive person in a good way. I think she might have done it for fun and so as so Anna, but the necklace thing was legit. We didn't even go into the details of it, but it was more petty than what is on TV. <laughs> Were you guys kind of caught in between? Do you ever feel like you had to pick a side or do you ever feel like you were walking on eggshells around the both of them? It is tough because I treat both of them as friends. I always say like Asian people, yeah, we fight, but end of the day, we'll sit down at the table, have a good meal, we will just resolve all the problems. But some cast members might pick sides. Speaking of picking sides though, this, this next thing about Anna's pump, I know that had a lot of reaction with viewers. I mean, there was that, that argument that, you know, she didn't respect Anna's privacy. When that happened, did you guys try to talk to Kim like separately before that bowling alley mediation scene came about? It was just a penis pump and it wasn't that big a deal. But if I put myself in Anna's shoe, it's a big deal because it's a bad look for her, right? We were advised not to speak to each other throughout the entire filming process because, you know, you lose that organic reaction. Give me a chance, oh. do it again. I'm going to regret it, she'll do it again. <laughs> and now to the search for Kim's father, which is like one of a, a, a more out there storylines. What gave you the, the idea to even start to go and look for him? Because, you know, you guys have very little clues. Like you said, it was just an address or it was just a phone number. You wouldn't know, like, who's there on the other side of the line. Before we film, I think the production always talks about what storylines you're going to talk about, what events you're going to do. And, you know, I think she was always interested in finding her father. We wanted to chase the story because we had no idea what happened. All we had was that lead. And, you know, she was obviously not up for it. She didn't want to do it. In fact, she was also a little angry that we did that. At hindsight, now she's like thankful because, you know, if we didn't do that, she might not have known that her father has passed away for like however long. I just took it as let's go with the flow, you know, and just do it very respectfully and also out of compassion to actually really want to help her. Uh, and also for me, it's like, okay, it's a free trip to Charleston, so let's go. <laughs> To Charleston. I mean, well, for me, like more selfishly, like okay, I can travel. I'm like, let's just go, right? <laughs> but free, free trip aside, though, um, can you speak to your state of mind when you were there and you were like going through all these clues and the, the the house was empty or the door was locked, no one was there? Like, were you guys panicking? What was there ever this sense of like this could be something dangerous? We don't know what we're dealing with. Oh no, hundred percent. We had like a bodyguard with us. Um, even you know we don't see it, but like we had an armed bodyguard with us. Uh, when we're knocking there because it's not a really safe area as well as i said we also wanted to find out what really happened we yelped like 19 nail salons we only lead was okay nail salon right and like i was like okay Charleston is not that big let's just yell we went to the first one no tony second one and third one we went and we were just we asked this vietnamese guy who, who is his brother and we're like do you know tony and like i just felt something was off we kept chasing the story and like and lo and behold when we returned we were just gonna wrap up we found out that her dad died by the phone call. It's so crazy because we were legit gonna just close. Producers were like, guys, we can't, it's late. Let's just wrap up and call it a day. And when that phone call came in, it really changed the whole like storyline. And also it added a lot of the emotional side to it as well. I know that you guys kind of knew each other prior to the, the filming, but would you say that there are cast members that you're not quite close to? And how do you think the filming kind of brought you guys together? It could bring us together or pull us apart. That's what I'm <laughs> You know, I think through this process, you get to see 
how fame changes people. For me, it's quite scary that happens. Obviously, there are certain friendships that are you know, tighter because of you know, the show, but most of them are, I treat as my friends. But you know, I would say that you can see people like sort of changing with the just publicity and it'll come out soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 it will come out soon, but on season two. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, uh, one last question before before uh, we, we end this. So, I think you mentioned yeah. on the show that um, you don't have plans to come back to Singapore anytime soon or something like that. Actually, I'm curious to know what would bring you back to Singapore then? If you guys would change the weather, number one, that would be great. <laughs> number two, if my dad buys me a GCB, that's fine. Number three, I would like a Lamborghini URS. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> Honestly, I would move back any day. I love Singapore so much. And after, you know, this pandemic and, you know, just seeing how dangerous it is in LA, like, I would definitely move back to Singapore anytime. But I just think that given the opportunities that I'm working with, Singapore is very small for my creative outlet. And also, it's not easy to do, for example, like real estate, right? Look at land, it's so expensive there. For me, my opportunities are limited. But on the personal side, like if, if, I, if my dream scenario, obviously, I would love to come back. I think in a previous interview, Christine did say that she has another bigger bombshell for season two. So are you kind of looking forward to what she has to draw? I don't know what she's gonna draw. Maybe she's pregnant again. <laughs> I don't know, but like, okay. I think everyone would have something up their sleeves. But it's not easy to up season one because I felt like we really killed it. I think expectation is set so high. But I think in order for it to be successful, I just think we have to be authentic and see what happens. I completely agree with that because uh, when I watched the show, I think a lot of people tune in to see like rich people doing rich things and they thought it was going to be a guilty pleasure but it turned out to be there was a lot of heart and soul at the core of, of the show and and you guys are kind of like a dysfunctional family in a way at certain times it's very asian as well so i really did appreciate that and i felt that there was something more to this than just you know like a superficial reality show and so thank you so much oh my god thank you so much for saying that because you know, I think that was why I signed up to do it because I felt there was a premise. Congratulations on season two. I hope everything goes well. I'm not sure. I mean, I you guys so. haven't started filming, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what will come out in season two. Thank you. Stay safe and like hopefully you stay, uh, come to Singapore and we can catch up. Once again, we'd like to thank Kane for taking time out of his busy schedule to join us on eJunkies. Uh, he spilled some tea. Whether or not it was scalding hot, we'll leave it to you guys to decide. And frankly, you know, I was, I was quite nervous going to this because I didn't know what to expect. So I was pleasantly surprised that he was really very grounded and friendly. We will take you up on your offer. So if you do come back to Singapore, slide into our DMs. We will definitely respond. And uh, all the best to the cast of Fling Empire for Season 2. We cannot wait to see what you guys have in store. We hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode of E-Junkies. If you did, don't forget to give us a thumbs up and remember to subscribe for more similar content. We'll see you guys next time. Bye!